Morning, everyone. Doing well? Excellent, excellent, excellent. Welcome to church. To those of you who don't know me, uh, my name's Gary, and uh, my lovely wife, Jane, we pastor the church here, so thank you for being a part of this. Uh, I'm just going to launch straight into the message this morning, um, and uh, I felt like this is a word that God had put on my heart uh, for us today, but it also it's going to help us in this year as well. It's not the word that I uh, will be launching in February. I'm going to be starting the uh, what I felt God, uh, the word that I felt God put on my heart for 2022. I'll be starting to unfold that in uh, in February. But this is a word that I really felt that uh, the Lord laid on my heart for us this morning. You know, most of us uh, we admire the obedience of a dog that it shows its master. American poet Archibald Rutledge wrote that one day he met a man whose dog had just been killed in a forest fire. Heartbroken, the man explained to Rutledge how it happened. Because this man worked outdoors, he'd often take his dog with him. And that morning he left the dog in a clearing and he gave his dog the command to stay and to watch his lunchbox whilst he went into the forest. His faithful dog understood, for that's exactly what he did. Then a fire started in the woods, and as soon there was a blaze that spread through to the spot where the dog had been left, but the dog didn't move. He stayed right where he was, in perfect obedience to his master's word. With tearful eyes, the dog's owner said, I always had to be careful what I told my faithful friend, because I knew that he would do it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word this morning, and I thank you, Lord, that this encourages people to follow you with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our minds, and to simply walk in obedience to you and your word. Father, I thank you for the transforming power of your word today in Jesus' wonderful name. Our walk of faith is actually a call to obedience, which is the fruit of faith in God. Most of us know the life of a believer actually involves obedience to God. If you don't know that this morning, here's an advanced tip. The walk of faith that we as believers have in Christ is a walk of obedience. We do what he says what he asks, what he commands, what he encourages, and what he tells us. In John chapter 12, 49 to 50, Jesus himself says, For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Jesus only said and did what he saw the Father do and what he heard the Father say. Jesus was obedient in every aspect of his life to the Father, even to death upon a cross for you and I. As believers, we are called to a life of obedience to God. It's what extending God's kingdom rule is all about. We are only ever going to be given the level of authority to that level that we are in submission to. 
We're called to be disciples of Jesus, to follow him, his word and his ways. In Luke chapter 5 verse 27, and I've said this a number of times last year, that Jesus said to Matthew, follow me as my disciple, accepting me as your master and teacher and walking the same path of life that I walk. If Jesus walked in obedience to his father, then it is natural that disciples of Jesus will walk in obedience to Jesus. Does that make sense this morning? Have I lost anyone so far? You're up to speed. We're on the same page. We're all doing good. Excellent. Let's hope we don't lose anybody along the way. When Jesus called his disciples to follow him, they went where he went. They did what he did. They said what he said in loving obedience to him. Their call, I want to submit to us, their call is our call. We've been called to follow Jesus to do and to speak as he tells us when he tells us to do it. So what do we do, church? What do we do when God gives us a word? We have this strong sense of a task, a a divine mission that God has got for us. He speaks a word clearly to us. We recognize that it's his voice that's spoken it to us. We know with clarity and with a certainty that God is asking us to do this very thing. But we can see that there is going to be difficulty, hardship and perhaps pain that lays ahead or at best the outcome is unknown for us. What do we do in those moments. We have a decision to make. Are we going to obey, delay, or nay? That's a no. I had to make it all rhyme. Come on. I thought that was pretty good. A a nay, all right? Come on. Obey, delay, or are we just going to flat out right say no, nay? Peter and John actually give us a really good example of how to deal with this very dilemma that I think many of us constantly deal with. Walking in obedience to God is a constant struggle for a believer. And I think that Peter and John today might just be able to help us. In Acts chapter 3 and and chapter 4, we read the account of Peter and John healing a man who was born lame from birth. We see that in the name of Jesus, they raise him up and he gets up and he starts to leap and shout and and rejoice and he goes into the the, the synagogue at that time and everyone sees that there's a change and Peter and John, they take the opportunity to start to preach the gospel. They start to tell about the good news of Jesus. There is a living example of the power and the love and the grace of Jesus Christ as been raised up in this man who was born lame. And they start to, to, to maximise what the people are seeing by starting to take the opportunity in that moment to start to preach the good news about the life, death, burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What an incredible opportunity. But it didn't go well. Because we read in Acts chapter 3 and then chapter 4 how these disciples, these apostles, were then taken into captivity by the the ruling authorities of that time and thrown into jail. 
and they were given a very stern warning by those leaders never again to preach in the name of Jesus Christ or even to speak of Him, let alone the fact that He was raised from the dead and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. There was a very clear instruction in those chapters, if you would take the time to read them, about what they were instructed to do. And this, their response was simple. It's better for us that we obey God rather than man. Incredible example of what to do. Now we come to where I want to take us this morning. In Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 42. Now please bear with me as I read this because I think that we need some background in this particular area here. So in, in uh, Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 42. The apostles performed Mary, many, Mary, many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on their beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as they passed by, as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. All of them were healed. Fantastic testimony, isn't it? It's great. Verse 17 goes on to say, Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. And the angel said, go into the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. There is a clear instruction from God by his angel to the Peter and John to go out. They've been released from captivity for the very express purpose of telling people the good news of Jesus. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they'd been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. They were gone. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors, they said. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts and teaching the people. At that, the, camp, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. Who, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Surprise, they were guilty. But hey, let's just decide issue. Peter and the other apostles replied, catch this, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, 
When you killed him by hanging him on a cross, God exalted him to be at his own right hand as prince and saviour that we might bring Israel to repentance and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But Pharisees A Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honoured by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then Gamaliel addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thaddeus appeared claiming to be somebody and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed and all of his followers were dispersed and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, said Gamaliel, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in, had them flogged. Does anyone else find that? That's like, how unjust is that? He had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. This, I love the, the attitude of the apostles here. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts, then from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. It's a great passage, isn't it? It's rich with different meanings and, and, and illustrations and examples of some things that we walk through life uh, in, in ourselves as well. Again, Peter and John, they make it clear that the priority of their lives is to obey God, not men. Therefore, they would go on preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. How good's that? What an incredible example that we have of what to do when you know, we get this word from God and we, we, you know, looking ahead, all you know is that there's difficulty coming. They wouldn't be intimidated or bow down to these threats or live in fear to man. The apostles had already been through the trauma of Peter and John's arrest after the healing of the the lame beggar in the temple in Acts chapter 3 and 4. Now they face the same threat, but by an angrier group of religious leaders. The high priest means business this time. He was tired of these, uh, the uproar that these gospel preachers, any gospel preachers here today? I would hope everybody would say, yes, I am a gospel preacher. You are, come on, I am a gospel preacher. That was, come on, come on. I am a gospel preacher. You're, you're preaching whether you're using words or not. We need to understand that our lives are a message to this world of the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Maybe I need to preach on that this morning, but no. 
So there's this uproar going on. And this, the high priest has put him into the public jail. Then an angel of the Lord opens up the gates of the prison. He released the apostles and commands them to, to do this. Go and stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this life. The disciples had a decision to make. They knew that God had spoken to them. They'd been down this road before when God had healed the lame beggar. And surely... They didn't have to do this again because the last time it didn't go real well. They landed in prison. Surely that's not God's will for their life. So surely it's optional as to whether they, uh, they obey the command of God. Surely we, us Christians, don't have to do something again if it didn't work well the first time. I shared my testimony with someone and, and they just told me that I was a, a, a Bible-thumping religious nut. It didn't go well the first time. So therefore, I shouldn't be able to have to share my testimony again. I prayed for someone once and it didn't go well. In fact, I caught their cold. It didn't go well. Surely I don't have to pray for someone again. Surely if something went wrong once before, or we can see that there is pain or hardship ahead, then it's a good reason. It's a good excuse not to do it a second time. This talking about doing something for a second time is something that I want to talk to us as a church about in the coming months ahead for 2022. If God has given us a word, a word that might be difficult and hard to navigate, what do we as a church do? I'm going I'm to unfold that in the months that are coming up ahead. But for, then, for now, in Acts chapter 5 right here, these disciples didn't give any excuses. They did what God had told them to do. They obeyed and they preached again openly in the temple courts. When we obey God, it doesn't mean that we won't have problems, church. Sometimes God will lead you directly into trouble because there's a purpose at work. It may mean prison. It might mean that there are more questions, that there are threats. Dare I say that there may be discrimination towards Christians in 2022, or that there is coercion to go down a certain path for Christians, or more problems. The disciples made the choice and rejoiced in suffering for Jesus. Obedience is a choice, and it's the fruit of faith in God, church. Acts chapter 5, verse 29, these, the apostle said, We must obey God rather than men. Peter and John made a stand. Acts chapter 4, verse 19 says, Tell me whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. That's the stand that we need to take in life, or else we'll obey the voice of tradition. The, the desires of our heart will overrule what God says or there'll be other countless voices that will try to draw us away 
from actually doing and obeying what God has asked us or told us to do. Obedience is the priority of obeying God over every other demand in life. This is a tough word. This is confronting. Because the reality is if we have given our lives to Christ, then we need to work at becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, following his example, as Jesus said to Matthew, follow my, my way of life, follow me through the pathway that I walk. That's the, the call of a disciple of Christ. We must be prepared to pay a price because there will be a cost to following Jesus. The apostles were prepared to be arrested and imprisoned again. They were prepared to make sacrifices for the sake of preaching the gospel. Obeying God doesn't mean everything will be fine. It just means that Jesus is Lord. That was a good statement. The apostles obeyed God and were sent back to prison. There is a price to pay, church. If we want an easy life, then obeying God is going to be difficult for you. Moses obeyed God and faced a defiant Pharaoh and a dead end at the Red Sea. Moses obeyed God and the people complained about him. Elijah obeyed God and had to run from place to place to get his food. David obeyed God and had to go on the run from King Saul who wanted to kill him. Paul obeyed God and had to run for his life. Even when we are in the centre of God's will, we can face a shipwreck just like Paul. You okay this morning? I've got to tell you, I love you, I care about you. But this is the word God put on my heart for us this morning. You've got a problem with this message, take it up with him. I don't say that arrogantly. I'm simply stating a fact. Obedience can lead us to greater challenges and trials. But I want to say on the flip side of that, there is huge blessing and, and, and the, the knowledge that you are doing what God has asked you to do. And if there's no other benefit than knowing that you've done what God has asked you to do, then that's enough. John 15 verse 20 says, Jesus says, No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, you're going to get persecuted too. Can I say, in Australia, what we take for persecution is absolutely nothing. So someone tells you you're a Bible basher. Like, oh, wow, really? Is that the best you got? There are people in nations that are being martyred for their faith. <clears throat> Obeying God does not mean that God... Uh, Obeying God does mean that God is watching over us and he will make a way for us. We can expect God to act for us and even in miraculous ways. Acts 5.19 gives us an example that during the night an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and he took them out. I love what D.L. Moody talks about the joy of obedience to the Lord. He says this, 
Joy flows right through trouble. Joy flows on through the dark. Joy flows in the night as well as the day. Joy flows all through persecution and opposition. It's an unceasing fountain bubbling up in the heart, a secret spring the world can't see and does not know anything about. The Lord gives His people perpetual joy when they walk in obedience to Him. What an incredible understanding of joy in obeying God. It's no wonder that Paul and Silas sing while being locked up in a prison in Acts chapter 16. God will do his part. He opens prison doors and he sets the captives free. Are there any people here today you feel like you're in prison or you've held captive? I want to tell you good news today. There is hope for you. Jesus sets the captives free. He often got Paul out of danger and difficult situations. When we obey God, we can expect him to be there for us. It might not work out how we wanted it to. You might have a different ending to your story than you feel that you're actually headed towards. The apostles were ordinary lay people, yet God's power was at work in them. God's power was at work with Moses and Elijah and Paul. There's a divine partnership that swings into action through obedience. When we obey Him, God makes His presence felt. God's never called us to do anything on our own. The call to obey Him is always a call to join Him in what He's already doing. You know, you, you feel like the, the, in sharing the gospel with some of your family and friends, well, you know, uh, I, I don't want to uh, just blow them out of the water. I, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Can I tell you that God's been working in their life since they were born? You're not the first person to tell them about Jesus. The sunrise, the sunset tells them of the beauty of our God and the power of His work. <clears throat> Acts chapter 5, verse 32, Peter said, We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. They weren't alone in witnessing. The Holy Spirit was with them. We don't witness alone. The Holy Spirit empowers us. You shall receive what? Power to be witnesses of Jesus. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the apostles obeyed the Holy Spirit, and then they left the rest up to God. It's a lesson. There's a lesson. Do what God's asked you to do and leave the results up to Him. We obey God and trust that He will take care of the outcome or the consequences of what's going on. Peter didn't mince his words or change his message when he was let out of the prison by the angel. He goes straight back to it in verse 30 of chapter 5. He says, The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Here Peter repeated exactly what he said that got him into trouble in the marketplace that put him in jail in the first place. That God raised Jesus from the dead. And that's exactly what the religious leaders of the day were absolutely against and did not want to hear again. He didn't back off on his message. Do what God says and leave the rest to him. 
He's with us. We're not alone, church. Although God has and will continue to do many things in an instant, sometimes he's chosen to accomplish things gradually. Abraham had to wait for decades for the promise of his son Isaac. It took Noah half a lifetime to build the ark. It took 40 years for God to get the people of Israel through the wilderness. And it took centuries for God to send his son Jesus to the world to be the offering of sin that we need to take a hold of. Obedience calls for a patient trust in God. Leave the outcomes to him. We are called to obey him, to do his work day by day, step by step, line upon line. Even when the outcome is uncertain, we are to be committed to the work. This in, the, in its essence, uh, uh, the whole thing about obedience is the training ground of discipleship. Acts 5 verse 42, day after day. In the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. God's command to preach the gospel wasn't stopped despite their arrest and flogging. Even though the religious and political environment wasn't good. Hello, what sort of day are we living in today? Where the, 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 the political and religious environment it's not good. It's the attitude of obedience. Even after so many arrests and imprisonments, threats, rejections, nothing seemed to dampen the apostles' spirits. They didn't give up or doubt God. This is an example for us and how we can live today, church. In this political environment, in, in the way that things are happening with all of the, the different discriminations and coercions that are going on. Can I tell you right now, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, okay? But I am waiting for the right vaccine to come out before I get vaccinated. I've just done some homework, that's fine. I, I, whatever our stance is, we need to respond in love. Not to dictate our, our stance, our, our position on a, a certain issue or a thing. Respond in love. Leave the door open for the Holy Spirit to continue His work. Make a stand where you need to make a stand, but do it lovingly. Don't force your stance on someone else. Church, come on. It's not God's way. He's with us when we obediently prepare songs for worship. He's with us when we obediently pray for a friend or give someone something when they're in need. He's with us when we obediently share the gospel. He's with us when we obediently work for kingdom expansion. In, in February and, and moving forward through there, I'm going to be specifically talking about the kingdom of God. Because I feel that God is, is wanting us to, to see that there is an expansion that God wants to take and to use us as a church for in the Adelaide Hills. We are now a city. We've been declared a city. That's what Mount Barker has been called. 
Can I tell you that we should be having multiple services? We should be seeing this place packed Sunday after Sunday after Monday after Tuesday. Can I tell you, church, that we need people to serve? Not because there's no one else to fulfill the roster, but because there's an opportunity for you to fulfill the call of God upon your life about serving someone else in that moment. I want to be a part of kingdom impact, kingdom expansion. And I would suspect that many of us here do. We experience God's power because we obey, not because we know something. When we walk in obedience, we're walking with Him and His presence transforms us. Our obedience is anchored in a loving and trusting relationship with Jesus Christ. We trust Him and His plan. Love makes obedience a thing of joy. The apostles obeyed Jesus, someone that they knew and had encountered. We obey God because of who He is. He's God, creator of the heavens and the earth, the giver of the next sunset that we're going to experience tonight, we hope. Obedience is the fruit of faith. How much faith do you have in God? How much faith do you have in God? The more that we know him, the more that we'll want to obey him. He's just so, so good. He's so strong, so magnificent, so glorious, so loving, so forgiving, so merciful. We won't always know what God's doing, but we love him, so we'll obey him. What has the Holy Spirit asked us to do that's waiting to be done? The next time that God gives us a word, a task, a divine mission, and we can see difficulty, hardship, or pain that lays ahead for us, or at best we just don't know what's going to happen, saints, What will you do? Let's stand. I'm going to pray a blanket prayer today. I feel that that's what the Holy Spirit would ask me to do, to pray over us this morning about this whole thing about obedience being the fruit of faith. Because my prayer is going to be, Lord, increase our faith. Help us to use the faith that we've already got to step out for you to walk in obedience to what you've asked us to do and not to fear man or culture or society because you've told us to do something. 
So Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people today. I thank you that you've called them by your name. You've called them by your word. You've called them uh, your sons and your daughters. They are children of God. They've made a decision to step across the line and to follow you, to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, to walk your way of life, to listen to you and what you say and what you command and to obey what you say. So in this moment, Lord, I pray for a deposit of faith to arise and to solidify in people's lives, to step out in complete obedience to anything that you ask them or tell them to do or to say in the moment. I pray that that happens at the schools. It happens in the shopping centres. It happens to our neighbours in our streets. It happens at parties. It happens in every facet of our life, Lord God, that when you speak to us, we trust that we've heard from you and we step out in faith because obedience is a fruit of faith. And I thank you for the ability to listen to your voice, to step out in all that you've given us to do and to say because you are about kingdom expansion and you want to do something in the Adelaide Hills in this state of ours that radicalises and changes us in a powerful way. It changes the very fabric of our society and our culture that we are born again believers of the living God and we stand for Him and Him alone in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe that, say amen this morning. Amen. Amen, amen. Now I'm just going to put out an appeal for people who've never received Christ as your Lord and Saviour. You found yourself here today. You had no idea what was being said or why you even found yourself here perhaps. But I want to let you know that God loves you and he died for you and has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you take the courageous step to step out and say, God, I believe what you are, uh, what you've done for me and, and who you are. I give my life to you today. I want to live for you. I want my life to be different. I want it to stand for something. Would you come into my life today? If you want to pray that prayer, you never prayed it before maybe, maybe online as you're watching. If you never prayed that prayer, but you want to this morning, I want to ask you to, to take a courageous step and just stick your hand up right now and say, I want to give my heart to Christ this morning. Is anyone here this morning? You just want to do that. Never done it before, but you want to do it today. Thank you. Anyone else? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word coming alive in people's hearts. Come by your spirit and bring an assurance of salvation into our hearts, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Well, guys, girls, all those in between, hope you have a really, really great week. So uh, just uh, pray that you go out and you light up your world because you've been lit up. You bring transformation because you've been transformed. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, everyone. God bless.